Chapter 11 The Silent House This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Silent House by Fergus Hume. Chapter 11 Further Discoveries The silence which followed Diana's announcement regarding the ribbon and the stiletto, for Lucian kept silent out of sheer astonishment, was broken by the hoarse voice of Mrs. Kebby. If you want the ribbon, miss, I'll not say no to a shilling. With what your good gentleman promise, that will be three as I'm ready to take and Mrs. Kebby held out a dirty claw for the silver. "'You'll sell it, will you?' cried out Diana indignantly, pouncing down on the Harridan. "'How dare you keep what isn't yours? If you had shown the detective this,' shaking the ribbon in Mrs. Kebby's face, "'he might have caught the criminal.' "'Pardon me,' interposed Lucian, finding his voice, I hardly think so, Miss Vrain, for no one but yourself could have told that the ribbon adorned the stiletto. Where did you see the weapon last? In the library at Berwin Manor. I hung it up on the wall myself, by this ribbon. Are you sure it is the same ribbon? I am certain, replied Diana emphatically. I cannot be mistaken. The color and the pattern are both peculiar. "'Where did you find it?' she added, turning to Mrs. Kebby. "'In the kitchen, I tell ye,' growled the old lady sullenly. "'I only found it this blessed morning. "'Twas in the dark corner near the door as leads down to the woodshed. "'How was I to know twas any good?' "'Did you find anything else?' asked Lucian mildly. "'No, I didn't, sir.' "'Not a stiletto?' demanded Diana, putting the ribbon in her pocket. "'I don't know what's a stiletter, miss. "'I didn't find nothing, and I ain't a thief, "'though some people as sets themselves above others "'by taking ribbons as doesn't belong to them mayn't be much good.' "'The ribbon is not yours,' said Diana haughtily. "'Yes, it are. Finding is keeping with me,' answered Mrs. Kebby. "'Don't anger her,' whispered Denzel, touching Miss Vrain's arm. "'We may find her useful.' Diana looked from him to the old woman and opened her purse, at the sight of which Mrs. Kebby's sour face relaxed. When Miss Vrain gave her half a sovereign, she quite beamed with joy. "'The blessings of heaven on you, my dear,' she said with a curtsy. "'Gold, good gold.' Ah, this is a brave day's work for me. Thirteen blessed shillings. Ten, you mean, Mrs. Kebby. Oh, no, sir, cried Mrs. Kebby, obsequiously. The lady gave me ten, bless her heart, but you've quite forgot your three. I said two. Ah, so you did, sir. I'm a poor scholar at arithmetic. "'You're clever enough to get money out of people,' said Diana, who was disgusted at the avarice of the hag. "'However, for the present you must be content with what I have given you. "'If, in cleaning this house, 
you find any other article, whatever it may be, you shall have another ten shillings, on consideration that you take it at once to Mr. Denzel. Mrs. Kebby, who was tying up the piece of gold in the corner of her handkerchief, nodded her old head with much complacency. I'll do it, miss, that is, if the gentleman will pay on delivery. I like cash. You shall have cash, said Lucian, laughing, and then, as Diana intimated her intention of leaving the house, he descended the stairs in her company. Miss Vrain kept silent until they were outside in the sunshine, when she cast an upward glance at the warm blue sky, dappled with light clouds. I am glad to be out of that house, she said with a shudder. There is something in its dark and freezing atmosphere which chills my spirits. It is said to be haunted, you know, said Lucian carelessly. Then, after a pause, he spoke on the subject which was uppermost in his mind. Now that you have this piece of evidence, Miss Vrain, what do you intend to do? Make sure that I have made no mistake, Mr. Denzel. I shall go down to Berwin Manor this afternoon. If the stiletto is still hanging on the library wall by its ribbon, I shall admit my mistake. If it is absent, why then I shall return to town and consult with you as to what is best to be done. You know I rely on you. I shall do whatever you wish, Miss Frayne, said Lucian fervently. It is very good of you, replied the lady gratefully, for I have no right to take up your time in this manner. You have every right, that is, I mean, I mean, stammered Denzel, thinking from the surprised look of Miss Frayne that he had gone too far as so early a stage of their acquaintance. I mean that as a briefless barrister I have ample time at my command, and I shall only be too happy to place it and myself at your service. And moreover, he added in a lighter tone, I have some selfish interest in the matter, also for it is not every one who finds so difficult a riddle as this to solve. I shall never rest easy in my mind until I unravel the whole of this tangled skein. How good you are, cried Diana, impulsively extending her hand. It is as impossible for me to thank you sufficiently now for your kindness as it will be to reward you hereafter, should we succeed. As to my reward, said Lucian, retaining her hand longer than was necessary, we can decide what I merit when your father's death is avenged. Diana colored and turned away her eyes, withdrawing her hand in the meantime from the too warm clasp of the young man. A sense of his meaning was suddenly borne in upon her by look and clasp, and she felt a maidenly confusion at the momentary boldness of this undeclared lover. However, with feminine tact, she laughed off the hint, and shortly afterward took her leave, promising to communicate as speedily as possible with Lucian regarding the circumstances of her visit to Bath. The barrister wished to escort her back to the Royal John Hotel in Kensington, but Miss Vrain, guessing his feelings, would not permit this, so Lucian, hat in hand, was left standing in Geneva Square, 
while his divinity drove off in a prosaic hansom. With her went the glory of the sunlight, the sweetness of the spring, and Denzel, more in love than ever, sighed hugely as he walked slowly back to his lodgings. For doleful moods, hard work, and other interests are the sole cure. Therefore, that same afternoon, Lucian returned to explore the silent house on his own account. It had struck him as suggestive that the party-colored ribbon to which Diana attached such importance should have been found in a so out-of-the-way corner as the threshold of the door which conducted to what Miss Kebby with characteristic misrepresentation, called the woodshed. In reality, the place in question was a cellar, which extended under the soil of the backyard and was lighted from the top by a skylight placed on a level with the ground. On being admitted by Mrs. Kebby and sending that ancient female to her Augean task of cleansing the house, Lucian descended to the basement in order to examine kitchen and cellar more particularly. If, as Diana stated, the ribbon had been knotted loosely about the hilt of the stiletto, it must have fallen off unnoticed by the assassin when, weapon in hand, he was retreating from the scene of the crime. He must have come down here from the sitting room, mused Denzel as he stood in the cool, damp kitchen, and, as a ribbon was found by Mrs. Kebby near the yonder door, it is most probable that he left the kitchen by that passage for the cellar. Now it remains for me to find out how he made his exit from the cellar, and also I must look for the stiletto, which he possibly dropped in his flight as he did the ribbon. While thus soliloquizing, Denzel lighted a candle which he had taken the precaution to bring with him for the purpose of making his underground explorations. Having thus provided himself with means to dispel the darkness, he stepped into the door and descended the stone stairs which led to the cellars. At the foot of the steps he found himself in a passage running from the front to the back of the house, and forthwith turned to the right in order to reach the particular cellar, which was dug out in the manner of a cave under the backyard. This, as Lucian ascertained by walking round, was faced with stone and had bins on all four sides of the, for the storage of wine. Overhead there was a glass skylight, of which the glass was so dusty and dirty that only a few rays of light could struggle into the murky depths below. But what particularly attracted the attention of Denzel was a short wooden ladder lying on the stone pavement, and which probably was used to reach the wine in the upper bins. And should I not be surprised if it had been used for another purpose, murmured Lucian, glancing upward at the square aperture of the skylight. It struck him as possible that a stranger could enter thereby and descend by the ladder. To test the truth of this, he reared the ladder in the middle of the cellar so that its top rung rested against the lower edge of the square overhead. Ascending carefully, 
for the latter was by no means stout he pushed the glass frame upward and found that it yielded easily to a moderate amount of strength climbing up step after step lucian arose through the aperture like a genie out of the earth and soon found that he could jump easily out of the cellar into the yard good he exclaimed much gratified by his discovery i now see how the assassin entered no wonder the kitchen door was bolted and barred and that no one was seen to visit vrain by the front door anyone who knew the position of that skylight could obtain admission easily at any hour by descending the ladder and passing through the cellar and kitchen to the upper part of the house so much is clear but i must next discover how those who entered got into this yard and indeed there seemed no outlet for the yard was enclosed on three sides by a fence of palings the height of a man and rendered impervious to damp by a coating of tar on the fourth side by the house itself only over the fence which was no unsuperable obstacle could a stranger have gained access to the yard and towards the fence opposite to the house lucian walked in it there was no gate or opening of any kind so it would appear that to come into the yard a stranger would need to climb over a feat easily achieved by a moderately active man as denzil examined this frail barrier his eye was caught by a fluttering object on the left that is the side in a line with the skylight this he found was a scrap of a woman's veil of thin black gauze spotted with velvet at once his thoughts reverted to the shadow of the woman on the blind and the suspicions of diana vrain great heavens he thought can that doll of a lydia be guilty after all End of chapter eleven